Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and today we are going to talk about how to keep the weight off. I want to go over uh, a few things, seven specific things, actually six, and then uh, the seventh is a list of miscellaneous habits that people do, Um, and I'm going to briefly kind of touch on all of them. So I'm not going to make this a long, drawn-out podcast. I want to really dive in deep, hit these bullet points, and give you a brief explanation of each one so you can apply it. And the big key here is pretty simple. People who keep the weight off after a diet, they do specific things right? It's, it's a very, very common, it's a list of common traits, I should say. It's not a coincidence, right? Um, and I'm also going to give you some references in the podcast show notes because I have some studies, I have some books and stuff like that that um, I think will, will help you because they prove everything I'm talking about here. Um, but the big thing is, is that people who diet, right? 95% of people who diet, they actually gain the weight back. 95% of people which is crazy, right? 95% of people gain the weight back after they've already lost it. And a third of those people gain even more than they started. So if somebody started at 200 pounds, let's say, and they lost uh, 50 pounds, 95% of the people who lost that 50 pounds will gain it back. And a third of those people will gain more, leading them to being even heavier than when they started. So it'll be over 200 pounds. Right now, there there's a lot of context here we need to provide in that stat. That is a stat. It is legit. However, there's been a lot of critiques on it. Right, there's been a lot of people who have came out and said they're like that's it's impossible for them to create such an accurate reading of that based on so many different factors, and they've kind of ripped it apart. Now, I think what it the the picture it paints is not that 95% of people gain the weight back. I think the picture it paints is that most dieting practices are very unsustainable, and most people who lose weight gain it back at least once, right? So, and that's a big key thing because if you look at me, I'm in that 95%. When I first started trying to lose weight, I did yo-yo diet. I lost weight, gained it back, lost weight, gained it back, lost weight, gained it back multiple times trying these like restrictive diet plans until I figured out what flexible dieting was, until I figured out what macros were, until I really learned about energy balance and things like that. And I was able to create a sustainable approach using coaching. I hired somebody to coach me and they taught me, right? Same thing that we do. That's why I recommend coaches hire coaches. So the point is, is that I'm in that 95%. So yes, that 95% sounds crazy, but there's some of you listening who are lean already, who are living lean, and you're in that 95% too because you've tried it before. In fact, most of our clientele who comes to us, and this isn't necessarily a, a niche that we purposely carved out, but it's starting to become that. You know, we've done a survey with a lot of people who have who have uh, gone through coaching with us. We we actually surveyed like over a hundred of them, um, just not that long ago, and it was basically our our top clients, like the people who saw the most success with our coaching program. <clears throat> Let's interview them, um, and I'm going to send them some Starbucks gift cards, and we're just going to ask them some questions. So I asked them some questions, and one of them was, "Why did you come to us in the first place? You know, what what were you doing before this?" And the, the mass majority, uh, the vast majority of those people who we interviewed said that they had tried, quote unquote, tried it all. Most of them said that they have actually even tried for at least two, but up to four years before finally hiring us, which means that they had tried for two to four years, most of them three to four, to lose weight and were unsuccessful with it by themselves. And then they finally hired us, right? And now... They're successful and they lost the weight and they're sustaining it. And the reason I know that for a fact is because the people we chose for this survey are the people who, who had the best experience with us, who got the best results, so on and so forth, right? And so if you're listening and you've tried it all, 
if you've tried to lose weight for two, three, four years, if you've yo-yo dieted up and down, if you've lost weight, gained it back, if you have yet to figure out a sustainable approach that actually allows you to lose weight and then continue to sustain it, this podcast is going to be amazing for you. I'm going to break down everything that you need to understand and you need to implement into your life from a daily habits perspective and some of them like more meticulous metrics and tracking and things like that because there is some commonalities there with people who sustain the weight loss. <clears throat> but this is the podcast for you, if that's you, right? We might be the coaching program, if that's you, because we help people who have tried to lose weight for three to four years and fail to because they either do it the wrong way, an unsustainable way, or they regain the weight because they lack the knowledge of periodization and reverse dieting they need. So when we take people on, we take them through a prime, progressive, and a prosper phase, a three-phase fat loss system that allows us to actually prepare somebody for a diet, take them through a diet successfully, and then reverse diet properly so that they can prosper. They can live with this result. And we educate them on how to do that, right? We have a very, very meticulous system around this because we've seen so many people do this and gain the weight back and come to us after trying for three to four years. Right, So if that's you, keep listening because this is going to be an amazing podcast for you. If you're a coach listening who has clients like this, this is going to be an amazing podcast for you. And if you're anybody who has struggled with this and you need help, obviously, like quick call to action, just, just work with us. You know, Jump on a free call with us. Let us talk to you. See if we could be the right ones to help you. I'm sure we were. Uh, we are if, if you know, this is triggering you to, to consider that. But there's a link for coaching in the, app, uh, the description of this podcast. Click that. Fill out the very brief and simple application form. We'll reach out to you, get you on a call, and we'll talk about coaching. Now, into this podcast uh, about how to keep the weight off. There is six specific things that are based on research. And then there's seven miscellaneous things that I've just kind of suggested uh, that I see as commonalities, right? Um, <clears throat> and there's a really good book by Lane Norton called Fat Loss Forever. For anybody listening who wants to read something that helps them get some education around this stuff, Fat Loss Forever is a great book that covers a lot of these things. It covers um, Fat Loss Forever, right? It covers why people fail at dieting. It covers a lot about metabolic adaptation and reverse dieting like that. Um, so if you're into the science and you want to read, because it is a, a more complex book, I would say uh, it's a great book. But uh, let's get into this list of six things before we jump into the seven miscellaneous things. The first one is cognitive restraint in some way, shape, or form. So the first way, right, or commonality, and again, these are common traits that people <clears throat> who sustain weight loss have in common, right? These are traits that everybody you see who is lean and is staying lean consistently year-round over time, they follow these specific things. They do these specific things, right? Number one is cognitive restraint in some form. <clears throat> Excuse me for the uh, clearing my throat, um, it's early in the morning, and when I do early morning podcasts, that happens to me quite often. Uh, but cognitive restraint in some form. Cognitive restraint in some form is basically saying they have to have restriction or restraint. I mean, it really comes down to that, right? And I think a lot of people uh, don't want to admit this or, or fail to consider this, but the reality is it's pretty simple, right? You have to restrain yourself in some way, shape, or form to keep the weight loss off, right? There's just no other way around it, plain and simple. Cognitive restraint means purposeful. Cognitive means intentional, right? It's, it's cognitive. I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm consciously doing this. I'm competent with this. I'm, I'm physically, purposely, mentally, and actually <laughs> trying to do this, and I'm restraining myself in some way, shape, or form. Restraining meaning calorie deficit. Restraining meaning limiting my alcohol consumption. Restraining meaning avoiding drive-through McDonald's. Restraining meaning 
um, avoiding lazy days and not moving. I mean, restraint in general is just self-discipline. I think people put a bad label on restraint because restraint sounds like restriction and restriction feels like they're telling you not to do a bunch of shit. But the reality is, is if we are going to sustain the weight loss that we achieve, or if we're even going to achieve weight loss in the first place, there has to be some level of restraint and restriction in the first place. Because if we remove calories, right, or we create a deficit through energy expenditure, either way, we are restricting calories from our body. And when we restrict calories from our body, we burn fat. If we burn fat, we actually get healthier, right? We get healthier, we get leaner, we get happier, we get more motivated, more energetic, more stronger, leaner, whatever. Which means that restriction isn't always a bad thing. Restraint isn't always a bad thing. It, it means that we are creating self-discipline cognitively, purposefully, consciously in order to avoid or limit something that is going to negatively impact our ability to lose weight or sustain the weight loss we achieved. That's all it means. So cognitive restraint in some form for some people, maybe, maybe they follow a paleo diet and they love it and that's the way they go. Cool. Maybe some people do flexible dieting and they track macros. Awesome. Maybe some people it's a, it's a keto approach, right? Most of the time. Or maybe some people it's just simply not eating processed foods. Some people it's intermittent fasting, right? This doesn't mean that all people who sustain weight loss track their calories forever. It means that all people who sustain weight loss are mindful of what they are consuming on a day-to-day basis. They have cognitive restraint in some way, shape, or form. Number two, self-monitoring. This means body weight, measuring food, tracking macros, anything. Self-monitoring, it, it could even be progress pictures, right? I know a lot of people who listen uh, like Andy Frisella and First Form and they do the 75 Hard Challenge, which is awesome. I haven't personally done it because uh, full transparency. I like having a drink every week and, and I don't want to remove that. Um, so uh, <laughs> I haven't done it, but most of it I like. But one of the things they do is they take a lot of progress pictures during the process, right? Um, quite a bit, more than we would recommend typically, but they're taking them, right? So this could be progress pictures every week, right? It could be measuring your waistline every month. It could be weighing in on the scale every day or multiple times a week. It could be measuring your food. It could be tracking your macros. Self-monitoring is, is you, yourself, monitoring what you are consuming. And it, and, it, and it relates to the cognitive restraint, but cognitive restraint is a big umbrella term. Most people who sustain weight loss over time, they measure something. They have some kind of self-monitoring. For some people, they eat completely intuitive, but they weigh themselves every day. And they're not trying to lose weight. They're not trying to gain weight. They're not trying to do anything except maintain weight because they already lost the weight. They're at a good, healthy, lean body weight, and they want to sustain that. So if they keep weighing in and they weigh 150 pounds or 170 pounds, whatever it may be, and they keep stepping on that scale, that is accountability. That is self-monitoring for them to understand and know that I am staying at this weight. So the intuitive eating I am doing, although it's not meticulous tracking, it is allowing me to sustain this weight. And the only way I know I'll sustain this weight is if I self-monitor, right? The only way that some people can eat within their uh, total daily allotment of calories, whether they're tracking it or not, is to measure food because they need to be able to have some kind of monitoring or portion sizing and portion control. We know that one of the most common traits of every single diet known to man is portion control right? There's many different ways of portion control. There's Weight Watchers as a point system. There's Atkins, which is like a low carb point system. There's Keto, which is portioning out fats versus carbs. There's Macros, which is portioning out portions of everything because there's no restriction on what you can eat, right? There's, there's all these different ways, but it's self-monitoring one way or another, right? Number three is regular exercise. I think that goes without question. People who lose weight typically exercise. People who re- maintain weight loss that they achieve or just maintain a healthy body, they exercise on a regular basis. Um, And again, I have a a bunch of studies actually in the uh, description of this podcast that actually show these things I'm saying directly relating to 
sustaining weight loss in research. Um, one of them that uh, is right here is the effects of exercise on food intake and hunger relationship with uh, ghrelin and leptin. So these are hunger hormones. Um, and essentially, this is it's a, it's a long study. So you would if you want to read through it, you can, but it's a good study and it's, it's referenced many times in our industry. Um, but it kind of shows that, you know, uh, when we exercise, we are more easily able to sustain weight loss. And part of that is because when we, uh, do exercise. So what they did is they created a large energy deficit, um, induced by uh, treadmill running. So they actually put cardio people right with, um, they also mixed in some like high intensity training and stuff like that. But what they saw is it decreased hunger right? And, and this supports the hypothesis that acute exercise is actually able to produce short-term negative energy balance, right? Fat loss. Therefore, like any variations of exercise, high intensity, low intensity, weight, like cardio, strength training, anything like that, it can actually help su suppress uh, hunger and keep your, you maintaining weight loss or achieving weight loss, right? That's why it's easier to follow a diet if you're also exercising because it actually helps suppress appetite. And it's funny because I was actually just telling my wife this yesterday. It was a rest day for me yesterday. And, uh, I come I, on rest days, I'll come home from work. I'm starving. I'm like, Oh my God, is dinner ready? I need something. And I'll, I actually started snacking on deli Turkey while dinner was cooking. Cause I was so fucking hungry. But usually when I come home after a lifting session, I'm like patient. I'll go play with Blakely for a while. I don't care if we, it takes an hour to eat. I'm just not as hungry because exercise suppresses appetite. Um, I think the delay effect could increase it depending on what type of training you're doing. You know, if you go run a marathon, of course you're gonna be fucking hungry. You burn a lot of energy, but but like regular bouts of exercise that people are doing to sustain weight loss or build muscle or strength or anything that suppresses your appetite. Not to mention it is a habit that instills positive mental uh, benefits as well. So there's a lot of benefits from a perspective of clarity, cognition, um, productivity, mental focus, like those kind of things. Uh, your, how, how your brain function, for example, like the way your brain functions is actually going to be better if you are regularly exercising because there is a link to exercise and brain activity. However, we also know that when you generally do habits, you can stack habits easier, which means if I exercise, it's easier for me to do other healthy habits. Like for me, this is why I drink a green drink first thing in the morning. First thing I do when I walk downstairs after taking Bubba out to go potty, I literally go to the kitchen, chug a greens drink, full shaker bottle water, greens in it. Greens don't taste the best, but it's that chugging down of greens drink that mentally charges me for a healthy day. I literally chug it and I immediately am like, I am on a track to being healthy. I'm on a fast path to being healthy. This is my first step. I'm going to stack habits from here. I'm going to get more steps. I'm going to exercise today. I'm going to track my macros. I'm going to eat my planned meals. I stack those habits after the fact, right? It's, it's the same reason why people well, if you really want to uh, do like a habit track, you put a note by your, your sink, for example, if you want to start flossing your teeth more. Every time you, floss, uh, you brush your teeth, you have to floss, right? So you just have a note there and that's the, the habit. Once you start doing those, now it's becoming a, a stacked habit. Maybe you add a third one. Maybe you want to wash your face more. Hey guys, I want to take a quick second to shout out the sponsor of this podcast, which is myself. It's my own app, The Tailored Trainer, which is the simple solution to actually looking like you lift. My goal with the Taylor Trainer was to do just that. I had countless amount of people coming into our coaching to get nutrition guidance from us, and they needed training help as well. And I was tired of hearing people tell me, I don't look like I lift. I'm in the gym hours every week. I'm training hard. I'm pushing myself. I'm sweating my ass off, but I don't look like I work out. What is the deal? And the deal is simple. There isn't a periodized plan backing up the effort they are putting in the gym. They don't have progressive overload methods and metrics and measurements inside their programming that are going to guide them to the result they're after, which is why I 
I wanted to create an app that did that for you. Not only does it have actually systemized programs that are effective for your goal, for your schedule, for your body type, and for your experience, because there are tons of programs in there. That's why it's called the tailored trainer, because you can literally tailor your training to your lifestyle and your schedule and your experience level but it's also going to have the software and the metrics inside to make sure that it's progressive and periodized without you even realizing it. You don't have to do anything and it is programmed properly to get you to progress, which is why I always tell people, stop aimlessly working out using influencers, Instagram posts and YouTube videos as your plan. Start actually tailoring the training process to you. And you can do that by downloading this app. It's less than $1 a day. And you can head over to tailoredtrainer.net to read more about it, see screenshots of the app live itself, see reviews from some of the people using it, and see a personal letter from myself as to why I created this app in the first place. So once again, head over to tailoredtrainer.net. Now, let's get back into the podcast. Me and Shannon joke about this because um, she read like parental advisory warning, guys, if you're in the car with your kids. Uh, Not horrible, but it's funny. Uh, She read a meme and it was like, uh, (laughs) women use 17 different facial products to wash their face, moisturize, cleanse their pores, do all these things. Yet men, uh, men wash their face with the same rag they wipe their balls with and still don't, their skin still doesn't break out. And I was crying laughing, right? Not because I do that necessarily, but because she gives me shit because I have, I have pretty clear skin. It's fine. And I, I contribute that to being healthy and eating well and stuff. I don't wash my face. I, I just don't. I literally don't have a moisture. I have like body lotion. I have one lotion and it goes everywhere. And I don't wash my face. I don't have like moisturizer, cream or uh, pores. I don't do that shit. We were joking about it. Um, but maybe I wanted to start. Well, I would put the bottle of face wash there and I would stack the habit with the floss. So now I've officially started being better about flossing my teeth because I stacked that habit on top of brushing my teeth. And now I'm going to start washing my face because every time I floss my teeth, I know I have to wash my face. And now I've stacked three habits, right? So this is called habit stacking. There's a good book called Atomic Habits. It talks a lot about how to do this with a bunch of different things in your life. And at first you leave reminders, notes, things like that to actually have to purposely and intentionally stack these habits. But eventually they just become one habit and it's just like bathroom time. And it's just part of what you do. And it's, it's, it's not hard. It doesn't require any willpower or discipline. And that's the point. You get it to a point where it doesn't require any willpower or discipline, which honestly is part of what, not, I don't even say that in this entire podcast list of things I'm going to go over, but that's probably one of the biggest things. You know, All of these things lead to people having a level of willpower and discipline that allows them to sustain the result because they want to. They have created discipline that allows them to keep moving forward. And I think that's huge, super, super important, right? But my point with this is regular exercise is not just something that actually suppresses appetite, which actually burns fat, builds muscle, does all these things physiologically speaking, but it also mentally is a great way to stack habits and start being more healthy in general across the board right? Uh, Number four, structured programs. So this one's pretty simple, but people who sustain weight loss typically are on some kind of structure. They have a routine, right? So they create a routine with their training. They they follow an exact program, right? This is why we have a lot of people who uh, use the Taylor Trainer app for workouts, but they don't necessarily do anything else because they've achieved weight loss, right? It's part of why we actually created it. Most people who sign up with us, um, especially now the way that we've created uh, our coaching packages, it's kind of just included in there. And you essentially are doing nutrition and you get the tailored trainer access, right? So now you have everything. But once you're done getting your result, you've learned, you've gone through the prime progressive prosper phase, you feel like you can do this and sustain this on your own because you've learned from us. Well, you can go on your way and just pay 
the super cheap, less than a buck a day fee for being in the Taylor Trainer app, and you have unlimited routines and training programs structured for your calendar, done. That is a level of structure that provides sustainable results. So for some people, that is related to food and the diet they follow. For some people, it's just related to their daily routine or morning routine or something like that. But anybody who sustains the weight loss after losing it, they follow some kind of structured program. They most likely followed a structured program to get to the weight loss. Actually, I'm like 99.9% sure. And I'm like 75% sure that they follow a similar or different structured program, but nonetheless, a structured program to sustain that weight loss achieved. And for anybody listening who maybe isn't trying to lose weight, but just wants to be successful in anything, these, these things can apply sometimes, right? So maybe you don't want to lose weight, but you want to be successful with some other physical attribute or with your business, with success, with your marriage, with anything, you need to build a routine. If you don't have structure around those things, you lose. You will not progress and you will not sustain positive results. In fact, I've had a point system that I didn't develop, but I was coached on, a point system that worked for me to keep up with my marriage, with my parenting, with my business, with my body, with my spirituality. Uh, Like those things all I created, I didn't create, I followed a point system, get credit where it's due, a point system that allows me to have structure around the simplest things like appreciating my wife, buying her a gift, taking her on a date, things like that, right? Because at the end of the day, anything that is not structured or planned will not be successful, right? Planning eliminates anxiety or, or better, even more descriptive, the unknown. And the unknown is actually what anxiety is created from, right? I get anxiety about what's going to come ahead of me that I don't know yet. It's unknown. So having a plan eliminates that. So if I can create a plan and structure around everything in my life, I win everything in my life, period, right? So structured programs are key. Number five, they have an ability to focus on long-term goals. Most people, when you interview them after these studies of sustainable weight loss, or if we just look at our clients and everything, they all have longer-term goals than the quick fix that they're after, right? Um, a lot of times, people do have a short-term goal, right? And that's good. I think you should have a short-term goal because it's, it's easier to see the light at the end of the tunnel when you can see the end of the tunnel, right? Um, versus, oh, I just have a general goal for the next three years, right? have a a three-month goal, one-month goal, 30-day goal, whatever it may be, and then have like a long-term goal of where you want to be later in your life. And the key here is that people might have a goal to be leaner for their wedding or their sister's wedding that they're a part of or whatever it may be. But if you don't have a goal of like, you know, in three years, I just want to be able to sustain like a lean physique. I want to see a little bit of muscle definition in my shoulders and upper back. And, and I want to have like a, a, like a lifted glutes, bigger glutes. I want to have like a flat stomach. That's what I want to sustain. I want to be healthy. I want to have understanding of this stuff. Like I know around the weight I want to be at. I want to have a routine around training. I want to hit a PR here. Like you have these long-term goals of like, I'm not going to get there quick. I know that, but eventually this is where I'm going to get. And again, you should have this in every area of life. I have uh, goals long-term and short-term for my family, for my business, and for my body. And I think that's really, really important. Number six is social support, groups, family, um, people even complimenting you on what you're doing in your efforts, right? That is a part of social support. Your social surrounding is supporting you in what you do. Social media, Facebook groups, church, anything, right? People around you knowing that I am doing this. People around me know that I live a healthy lifestyle. I'm trying to lose weight. I'm approaching this goal this way. I'm trying to make a transformation. They know and they support it. 
right? So there's a lot of people who get insecure about this and they fear judgment. So they don't tell those around them. They don't tell the people around them that they're actually doing something like this. And that's a mistake. You should absolutely tell the people around you that are closest to you what you're doing, why you're doing it, and the purpose behind it so that they know, one, that you're doing it and it's a, it's a thing. And two, they know that it's important to you. Because if you tell them why and your purpose behind doing it, deep-rooted purpose they will respect it. They will never judge it. And they will only support it. If you tell somebody like, Hey, I'm just going to be completely transparent with you. And you're talking to somebody very close with you that you see all the time. I'm very insecure. And I want to change that. I want to lose weight. I want to change my body. I want a better understanding of food and fitness. And, and I'm just tired of living this life. I want to be healthier. I want to be more energetic for my kids. I want to have a flatter stomach. I'm tired of being self-conscious, putting on a dress. I want my husband to look at me different or my wife to look at me different, whatever it may be. I want to get back on the basketball court and play hoops with my kids. And I can't right now because my knees are so bad. Whatever it is, tell the person and tell them like, this is really important to me. So I just, I just, I'm just letting you know, I don't need anything from you. I'm just letting you know, so you know that this is important to me and I'm going to be making these, these changes in my lifestyle. Enough said. The person will only respect that and appreciate that, right? And if anybody hates on that, it's because they want the same thing, but they're too insecure to admit it. And they know that they lack the self-discipline and willpower to actually attack those goals. And therefore they put you down. So in any situation for everybody listening who does this, number one, the people who care most about you and that are surrounding your circle, they will support it. I promise you the people who are not as close as you think they are might try to shut you down or hate on you. What you need to do is, is not get upset about that. You need to look at them and mentally in your head, feel bad for them. Truthfully, like, and I know that sounds crazy, but those people probably lack the self-discipline and willpower, and they're probably too insecure to admit that. And they are going to put you down because they feel inferior and, and almost like they're being judged or they're becoming more insecure now because you have the willpower and self-discipline and motivation to do it that they do not have, yet they wish they had. And that's a deep thing, but it's true, right? And it doesn't mean like write them off, hate them forever, never see them again. It just means that like, you know what, right now I'm going to create my distance. I'm not going to like throw backlash at them or throw hate back at them. I'm just going to, you know, take a step back and be like, you know what? I know what this is in my, my mind. I'm talking to myself. I know what this is. I'm going to create separation because this person's going to be destructive to me. And, and they're just, they're just insecure and they don't have the willpower and they're hating on me for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create my distance while I focus on myself. And that's the right thing to do, right? Focus on yourself so you can come back a better person for everybody else around you. And the people that are really close and loving, they won't give a shit. They will support the hell out of your goal. Trust me. I was, I've been there. And so have many of our clients. All right, so number seven today is, is a miscellaneous. So it's a list of things. I'm just gonna run through these quickly because these are all things that people do who stay, stay lean, right? And when, when I'm saying this, like I'm talking about the people who like they do flexible dieting, they go to the gym, they have the routines, like people you follow on Instagram and you're like, how do these people sustain this lean physique and not go crazy, right? This is what they do for the majority of their diet. They still have some flexibility. I, I wanna make sure that's important, right? They have flexibility, and they have social awareness so they can be mindful and having drinks and they do, they do fun things, but they also know the boundaries, right? This is something we teach our clients as well. It's like, what is the boundaries here? You can't be so flexible that you're just off the walls and un, like not tracking, binging, all those kind of things, but you, you can't be so restrictive that you fall off and you binge and have these episodes. So you have to find that middle ground of being flexible and not being too rigid, right? Um, flexible dieting doesn't work with a rigid mindset, which is a quote from one of our coaches, Ariel. She told me that on the phone. Lily, today we had a call before I got on this podcast and I was like, holy shit, that is perfect. I'm gonna use that in, for my, <laughs> I'm doing a pre presentation for all of our members uh, on flexible dieting. It's called the flexible dieting mastery presentation. And 
that's like the first quote I put in there. I typed it while I was talking on the phone. So it's like, that's perfect. Flexible dieting with a rigid mindset doesn't work. You have to be flexible in both realms. But this miscellaneous list are things that these people who flexible diet, who sustain lean physiques, sustain a healthy body, who sustain the habits required um, that I've already talked about today, they all do these things as well. Um, they eat low-calorie, voluminous foods. So again, they eat low-calorie, voluminous foods. This means they probably eat mainly whole foods, lean meats, organic, low fat, not even organic. You don't always have to do that, but ideally organic when it's dairy, in my opinion, um, low fat, non-fat dairy. They do a lot of fruits and vegetables and produce, maybe rice, things like that, that are just generally whole foods, right? You can get a lot of food on your plate and have calories pretty low. They eat a high protein diet. 90% of people who lose weight eat a high protein diet. Uh, and 90% of people I should say who lose weight and sustain it. And they actually sustain a good level of muscle and health. They eat a high protein diet. So eating a high protein diet is going to be a big key here. They consume plenty fiber, plenty of fiber, which is going to come from uh, starches like sweet potatoes, oats, whole grain foods, but it's also going to come from a lot of fruits and vegetables. But either way, they eat a lot of fiber. And these first three, eating low calorie voluminous foods, eating high protein and eating a lot of fiber, these are all going to not only keep you healthy and keep your blood work in a good place from a health perspective, but they're going to keep you very satiated in your digestive system in a good place, which if your digestive system is healthy and you're staying satiated throughout the day by eating these whole foods that are very voluminous and low calorie, you're going to be able to sustain weight loss way easier because you don't have cravings. These are the keys to eliminating cravings and sustaining weight loss. They drink lots of water. This is just a natural habit. People who stay lean, they drink a lot of water. There's a lot of scientific reasons why this is important to lose weight and to sustain weight loss. But nonetheless, they drink a lot of water. They're hydrated. They're, they're healthy. Their pH balance is good. Their sodium balance is good. All those kind of things because they drink a lot of water. They eat less snacks and they have more meals or feedings. This is something I talk to clients a lot about. Eliminating snacks and having feeding windows. So you have nutrient timing laid out to where you're having full balanced meals, protein, fats, carbs, or just protein and fats in some meals, protein, fats, carbs, and other meals, and you fluctuate them. But nonetheless, we're not snacking on like a carb-based bar here and then some nut butter here. It's let's have a meal, right? How many times a day are you going to feed? Three, four, five, six. It's up to you. It doesn't matter but we got to stick with it and we don't put snacks in between, right? It doesn't mean snacks are never allowed. You can never have them. I have them every once in a while when I need to and I'm on the go or anything like that or my, my day of eating gets messed up and I just got to try to hit my daily macros. But the vast majority of people who sustain weight loss and have a lean physique, they eat less snacks and they eat more meals or feedings. They, self, they have self-value towards their body. So I think this is really important um, and I could do a whole podcast on this, so I might actually do that and I won't spend too much time on it today. But self-value comes down to body image and appreciation, right? And I think that, you know, there's also a misconception. I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but um, a lot of times self-acceptance turns into making excuses. People don't like where they're at and they're afraid to admit that. And so they act as if it's self-acceptance. I'm okay where I'm at. I don't hate where I'm at. I love myself where I'm at. And look, I'm 100% for it. You should love yourself no matter what, but I think you should love yourself so fucking much that you try to make change. Right. And I really want to do a podcast on this because I think people misconstrue this, this idea so much. And this might actually kind of piss people off because it's a trigger point. And I get it because I've, I've been triggered by this until I really dug deep into it. And the reality is, is if you love yourself so much and you value yourself so much and you accept who you are as a person, then you want nothing but the best for you. So you will stop making excuses and you will start taking action. And that's true self-love. That's true self-value. So I think people who sustain weight loss actually have a very high self-value for themselves and towards their body so that they don't make excuses and they actually invest more time and effort into doing things that make them healthier and live longer and leaner. Things like exercise, things like dieting, things like self-monitoring, things like all the habits that I've already talked about today. 
Self-value means you appreciate your body and yourself so much that you are willing to invest more into it instead of other shit that doesn't improve your life. Again, I don't want to go on a rant, but I'm all for self-love and self-acceptance. And I think that you should invest more in yourself than anybody else because you can't be the best person for other people if you're not the best for yourself. I'm huge on personal development. I'm huge on coaching. I'm huge on mentoring. I'm huge on everything that has everything to do with investing in yourself, your spirituality, your relationships, your body, your health, everything, your mindset. But that comes from having a high self-value towards yourself. And I think most people who lose weight and sustain it have a high self-value. They have healthy sleep patterns. Most people who sustain weight loss don't have fucked up dysregulated sleep. Now, that doesn't mean you're sleeping seven, eight, nine hours every single night. Um, It also doesn't mean you're sleeping nine to 10 hours because some people sleep so much that they actually are more tired and groggy because it still fucks with their cortisol levels. I believe most people should sleep between six to eight hours a night. Six being the bare minimum, eight being the, the top tier of where you're killing it, right? Some days you might end up sleeping more if you gotta catch up, but the point is, is most people who sustain weight loss, they have good sleep patterns. The last thing on this little miscellaneous list is they have a higher level of emotional intelligence. Um, And this is pretty simple. If you haven't read the book, Emotional Intelligence, uh, I think Emotional Intelligence 2.0 is the book I read and love. Uh, But point being is this is just a, it's, it's your EQ. It's your emotional intelligence. It's your ability to be intelligent about your own emotions as well as the others around you. And most people who sustain weight loss or sustain success in any realm, they've studied or gotten really good about emotional intelligence. And that would be a high recommendation for anybody who needs to improve any area of your life. Learn how to have a higher level of emotional intelligence. All right, guys, so there was a lot here today. Cognitive restraint in some way, shape, or form, self-monitoring, body weight, measuring food, something like that, regular exercise, structured programs, and ability to focus on long-term goals, social support, and then a long miscellaneous list of eating low-calorie, voluminous foods, eating high-protein, eating plenty of fiber, drinking lots of water, snacking less, eating more meals or feedings, having high self-value towards yourself and your body, having uh, good healthy sleep patterns, and last but not least, having a high level of emotional intelligence. If you do all these things or you work on all these things, I don't suggest you got to jump in and work on all these things at once, these things will lead to a more sustainable weight loss approach. This is some of the stuff that we coach in our coaching. We try to hammer on all these, and these are all backed by science. I have research in the description of this podcast that actually breaks down each and every one of these things, as well as some like text book style stuff that you can check out. But point being guys, this is the list on how to lose weight and not only lose weight, but actually keep it off. If you enjoyed this podcast, do me a huge favor. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Go check out all of our other free content over at tailoredcoachingmethod.com and share this on your Instagram story and tag myself at Cody McBroom so I could thank you for listening personally in the DMs and then share it on my story as well. I'll talk to you guys next time.